I'm so hard on myself. And I think a lot of people, we are our own worst critic and we are our own worst enemy. And I think, again, we just have to keep reminding ourselves that, especially those people with childhood trauma, it wasn't our fault. Those people, it was the abuser's fault. It was the people that thought it was okay to do things without a consent's fault. We're not responsible for those people's actions. But what we are responsible for is how we navigate forward. That's our responsibility. And I hate saying this, that I'm clearing up someone else's mess that wasn't my fault. But this is my life. I've only got one of these. I have to do the right thing for me now. Do you know what I mean? As much as it makes me so angry that I'm sat here like clearing up this trauma that I didn't want, I have to go, I have to deal with it. Do you know, it's my responsibility as an adult now to deal with my triggers, learn my triggers and harbor them and confront my demons in any way that might look. I believe that love is all around us. Love is everything and everywhere. I am love. You are love. We are all love. In our divinity, in our soul, in the truest and simplest form of our being, we are pure, unconditional love. Love is the answer to everything. Every week in this podcast, we're talking to incredible and beautiful people who will be sharing their insights and perspectives to help you find more peace to help you come from a place of love more often, to help encourage you to be kinder to yourself and others, to help you create more happiness in your life, to help you feel more oneness with others, and to help you connect to your higher self. My name is Justin Court. Together, we will help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to be more loving, kind, peaceful, happy, empathetic, understanding, and accepting. This can only be achieved together. It starts with each and every one of us. We are one, and it's time we start acting that way. I am so, so grateful that you're here. I love you, I support you, and I'm here for you. Let's together create more love in this world. Let's do this. Today's guest is the first woman to compete in Miss Great Britain totally makeup free. Yup, makeup free. And that's really not the norm in these competitions. It took a tremendous amount of courage and self-love to do this, especially to be the first. During the episode, Elle Celine shares her journey on making the decision to compete without makeup, what inspired her to do so, and how it all went. Elle will help you shine and encourage you to live as your true self. Something that I love most about Elle is that she's incredibly vulnerable, real, and genuinely her truest self, and it really shows. She's open about the sexual abuse and lack of self-love she experienced as a child, and now she wants to be the person for young girls that she needed when she was their age to help them heal, grow, and love themselves fully. All right, well, Elle, I would love to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Hi there. Hello, everyone. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a good time. Elle, I'm just, you know, coming into the conversation, my mind just went towards this thought, uh, just kind of on its own. Elle, I would love to know one part of your being, it could be physical, who you are as a person, your personality, uh, your outlook on life. What is one thing that you love about yourself? I love uh, that I'm very resilient, regardless of what I've been through. I've been through quite a lot of hardship and trauma and unfortunately sexual assault, sexual trauma when I was a young child. And I've always survived and just been very resilient, regardless of where I've been or what's been thrown at me. I'm still here standing. I think that's the thing I like about myself. And I don't give myself enough credit for that a lot of the time. Um, So it's nice to flag that, actually. Sometimes I have to remind myself that I am resilient and I am strong and I also forget. So... Yeah, I'd say that is the thing I love about myself the most. 
So amazing. And honestly, it's good to just ask ourselves these questions sometimes because, right, sometimes we won't give ourselves enough credit or we won't (laughs) think about it, right? And give ourselves the love that we should give ourselves for being super resilient or a million other things that we can do. Um, So I'm glad that I even just asked because I was going to ask you after you started saying that, you know, is that something that you acknowledge in yourself a lot? No. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? It depends what it depends what mood I'm in. <laughs> um, most of the time, yes. And sometimes I have to remind myself. I have to always, I think everyone in the world, we always have to remind ourselves to be kind to ourselves. Like if I spoke to myself sometimes, how if I spoke to a friend sometimes, how I speak to myself, I probably wouldn't have very many friends. But I always have to remind myself, you know what? No, you're you're doing good. Um, and I always gaslight myself as well sometimes. I'm always like, oh, you know, it's not that bad. Other people have it harder than you. And actually, yeah, like. I just have to keep reminding myself sometimes too. Um, but yeah, most of the time, yeah, when I'm having a good day, I do I do remember that and I do thank myself for that. I think there's a lot in the media around body positivity and body body love, but actually body acceptance and mind acceptance is what I try and act, act, like bring out into the world because I think everyone as humans, we have a bad, we can have a bad day. It doesn't matter who you are, but if you can appreciate where you've come from and appreciate what your body and your mind has got you through, I think that's kind of, per- personally, I feel like that's the first step forward for anybody, regardless of your walk of life, I think that's really important to remind yourself that you've been through a lot and thank your body and thank yourself for getting through that. That's what I try and do every day. I try and practice what I preach <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> I love that. And I'm so glad that we got to even just chat right now to help even bring your awareness more to the fact of how resilient you are. Because I have so much love for you, for your your uh, resiliency. And that's amazing. And we should like, we not even like, we should celebrate these things about ourselves. And sometimes it really just takes asking ourselves that question or just bringing our awareness to these things that we can love uh, love about ourselves. And right. Isn't it so nice if we, because during the day, if we don't pay attention to our thoughts and our mind, it will just ramble off and take us sometimes on a very negative path of thought process of who we are and, and what we think about ourselves. So just to stop, break that stream have these moments where we can think, what do I love about myself? And really feel that there's just such beauty to it. Absolutely. And I feel like as well, if somebody, if you're someone who's listening, who's been bullied or been told by other people that actually you're not good enough, you do sometimes take that into adulthood. I know I have. Uh, I, I, a lot of the time I repeat those words that pe- people told me when I was younger and I have to remind myself and stop, like consciously stop myself doing it because people's words are really powerful. And even if you've gone through a lot and then you've come out the other side and you're going the right way, it is sometimes hard not to regress back and not to sometimes even subconsciously not realize that you're repeating stuff that other people have said to you. <laughs> you're nodding. <laughs> it's just so true. It's like, and this right. that's a really great practice too. Think about the thoughts in your head. Yeah. How many of those thoughts are actually your thoughts or were they given to you by somebody else? Most of mine were given to me by someone else. Right. <laughs> and I have to think, I have to remind myself that, that just because someone might think that of me, it doesn't mean that that's the facts. You know, I mean, that's an opinion, not a fact. And my mind, like you said, you were really right when you said that, that the brain plays so many tricks on us that you can be told something all your life, especially as a child, I think, especially as a young person. If you're told something so many times, you do you do end up going on away and believing it. Uh, and that was definitely the case for me. And I have, I'm still in trauma therapy now trying to unlearn a lot of the things that I was taught and told as a child. It's, it's a learning process. I think, you know, everyone's journey is different, but I do think that there is a lot of truth in that. Uh, and it's just so wild, right? When we're told these things growing up over and over again, we do believe them and they literally seep into our subconscious and become a part of our identity of who we perceive ourselves to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of the times as we grow older too, it is, it's just like, it's an unlearning of not taking to heart or fully believing what this person told me about myself to be true. Because in reality, you mentioned it before, it's just an opinion. It's not a fact. Anybody's view on you is their very skewed perspective on who you are and then their judgment uh, based on that. So, and it's like their perspective of it through that little splinter of their perspective, that's what they're deeming who you are and identifying you as. When in reality, they don't know us at all. Absolutely. And there's a quote that I go by. It's from Eleanor Roosevelt. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Seriously. That's like my mantra. Like that's what I go with every time I feel like this person doesn't like me. I'm like, 
I have to give consent for this to actually affect me. I have to, you know, and it's, it is a state of mind, isn't it? And it is so hard sometimes to get out of that state of mind. But I do believe that we are capable of doing that. Definitely. For sure. And like anyone who's listening now too, and this, like, as I say this out loud, I remind myself, it helps me in this moment yeah, too. You do. <laughs> right. It's like, even if, if you can even just change your thought, it doesn't have to be this massive, huge jump forward, but if you can just incrementally change your thought to something more positive, just a little more positive then a little bit more then a little more, a little more, a little more, and you keep stacking those on top of each other. You change that negative thought into a very positive one. Absolutely. It becomes more of a lifestyle than just a forced feeling. If you know, I mean, a bit like anything, you, you know, if you bring it into your routine, then it suddenly it, it happens without you think, like like you said, without you thinking it. And I like when you said like, it's like little small thoughts and then you, you can sort of shift it and turn it. Because I think a lot of the time there is a lot of toxic positivity that's been forced on people. And that's sometimes not healthy. But I think those little, little shifts and little changes can really make a huge, you know, we're on the same train here let's say <laughs> we're, mm-hmm. we're definitely you know going on the same train right now with this I, I, it's good it's good I think these conversations are really really important as well on on platforms to have these open conversations about this because I do think talking about stuff like this is still quite a taboo like we are in the UK and I'm sure where you're where you are like there are a lot of people talking about mental health and positivity but there is still that taboo you know we can talk about it till the cows come home but then when someone's suffering I feel like there is still that stigma around what what is what is good to say, what's not good to say. And yeah, I think you said it as well at the start of this, you know, be as vulnerable as you can. And I think that's so important. Vulnerability is so, you know, it's it's real, it's human and it, it's all we can be really in, in this world. And especially with all the horrible things going on in the world, you know, and yeah, just I'm just glad that we were able to have these conversations openly today. For sure. And like, Transparency, communication, vulnerability, that is love. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Right. Those are just like different forms of love. So I I think it's so important for us to communicate with each other and be open and be vulnerable and share the things that maybe we're not feeling so great about ourselves or just literally share with people. I understand the fear that's there because you want to make sure you're going to be in a comfortable space to be able to share. And what I always think too, whatever you want in life, if there's something that you desire, become that first. Like if you want a safe place for you to be able to be and talk, create exactly. that first for other people. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You want to, you want more vulnerability to come into your life, be more vulnerable. I'm, I like, I have done those things and they've come back to me 10 times over. It's wild. Absolutely. I feel like for me as well, personally, when I'm sharing my story and I'm being really open, it's healing me too, because that's something that when I was younger, I felt really hard to do. Like I, like two years ago, I probably wouldn't be able to sit here in front of you now and be like, this is who I am. I'd be really like, not false, but a little bit more reserved and maybe a little bit more aware of stuff. But now, you know what I'm thinking? I heal when I'm helping someone else. And I heal whenever I speak about my truth and I speak openly about it. I feel part of myself healing. It's amazing, isn't it? How that works. It's amazing how, it, yeah. And people say it and you think, oh, you know, whatever. What's so cheesy. But actually, it really does work. It really does help. Definitely. Definitely. And I think I feel like we're similar generation as well. So I feel like our generation, we saw quite a hard beforehand and we know that we want to break the narrative for the now and the later. I do think there is something in that. A lot of people who I've met doing similar things to yourself and similar things to me are like certain age, like similar age. And there is something in that that we saw our parents and our grandparents struggle, not talk about mental health. We saw like all that gaslighting and all that that we saw. And we know that that pattern of behavior we want to break. I think that's so powerful. We're that generation. And I think that's our legacy that we try to change stuff, which is awesome. (laughs) You know, I get really excited and passionate about that, you know? (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. Honestly, that's, that touches on something that is so important because, right. We saw these things that we didn't want. Yeah. And I literally, uh, the podcast episode that came out before this one, I talk about this in that episode where in the moments where we are seeing the things that we don't want or experiencing the things that we don't want, it becomes so insanely clear what we do want. Yeah. Right. And what we do want to create. Uh, And like, so then there's gratitude and there's beauty in those moments of seeing what we don't want, right? Like if our parents did something different that may have been traumatizing or difficult when we were younger, whatever it could be for you listening. Yeah. There's gratitude there because with that, 
that showed you what you don't want. So again, I made it super clear about what you do want. And then we have the ability as these creators to then start moving in that direction towards what we want, towards what resonates with us. So there's even good in that, those experiences of the things that we didn't want when we were younger or things that we're experiencing today as well. 100%. One of the things I do is I go into schools and I talk about consent. I talk about body image. I talk about, you know, what to do if someone assaults you or you feel uncomfortable. And I feel like, yeah, what happened to me wasn't amazing and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But because of what's happened to me, I'm this person that's going out there and going, if there's someone in that school now that is like me when I was at school, that they're going to benefit from that. So I'm going to stop that happening to someone else. And that's all I can do now. Do you know what I mean? I can't go back much as I wish I could and change it I can't so I have to just keep going forward and utilize my experiences for a good thing and I'll say that as well with relationships and friendships when I was younger I got into a lot of toxic relationships whether that be romantic or friendship and now at the wise old age of 33 I know what I don't want you know what I mean and when you said that I was like yeah that I resonate with that too that I know what I don't want in a relationship I know what I do want and I know what what's good for me what's not good for me and without those lessons learned as a young person or younger person I wouldn't have known that I would have just been like going in blindly do you know what I mean and I am really great again I'm not grateful for the bad things that happened to me but I I'm grateful for how I dealt with them and I'm grateful for how I then moved from those if that makes sense because yeah like there's lots of kids in schools at the moment in the UK where because we've got technology, social media, a lot of things that are out there, it's almost worse now for young people than when we were there in school because you can't really escape it now. You've got smartphone, you know, Apple Macs, all these TikTok and whatever else they're using these days. Um, shows my age. I'm, I'm so old. I'm, I'm not. But do you know what I mean? Like back in our day, if you like, we didn't have all of that. So we could escape from the bullies or whatever was going on. And now they can't. It's so difficult and I think it's so important for us older folk to tell these young people actually it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to be who you are it's okay to do what you need to do back in 2021 I competed in Miss Great Britain with no makeup on and I became the first woman in history to ever do that and win a title one of the main reasons I wanted to do that was because I wanted to show young people that it's okay to be themselves because in the beauty industry I'm sure it's the same way you are there's so much pressure for, for everybody, men, women, and everyone to look a certain way. And to go on such a controversial platform like Miss Great Britain, which would have been talked about, it was talked about, it was everywhere over the over in the UK of the news. It was a stance that was symbolic to bodily choice and the dangers around social media. Like all these news outlets picked it up because they knew what I was doing and they were there for it. Do you know what I mean? And I was quite shocked with the with the outcome. You know, I put on my social media, yeah, I'm going to do this with no makeup on. I was really scared, if I'm honest. But I was like, I'm going to do this not just for, for me and my own growth, my own well-being, but for also other people that I know will be resonating with that. And during lockdown, during COVID, I felt like the pressure of having to show up and glow up and always be a certain way really went away because people were wearing masks, people weren't going out. I was working from home, so I really didn't see anybody. And I felt, you know what, why am I hiding? Ironically, because we were wearing masks and because we were like isolating, the mask that was my own self-esteem and my makeup came off, if that makes sense. So I put on a mask to go to the shops and I thought, oh, I don't have to wear lipstick. I don't have to like, because no one would see it anyway because there was a mask there. So actually by that happening, I was able to remove the mask of makeup and move, remove that unrealistic beauty standard that I had for myself and that women have, you know, in society, there's always like the press in the UK, uh, again, I'm sure it's the same way you are in the world, is always scrutinising how women look and how men, you know, you put on a bit of weight and that's it. As a celebrity, you're getting scrutinised. And yeah, my stance was for that as well, to showcase that here's a platform that is known within history for being plastic and fantastic and glitz and glam. And I'm going in there completely bare face, nothing, nothing on my face at all. Um, and showcasing that you can do that. If I can do that in Miss Great Britain and win a title, if you feel like bad about yourself going to the shop, you can do the same thing. Do you know what I mean? And it was all about letting people know that they were good enough, but also they're reminded that people have a choice to do what they want with their bodies, you know, and, and we shouldn't get scrutinized for that choice and, and what we want to do with our bodies. And there was so much, you know, in the news around bodily choice as well for women. And I thought, what better platform? It's controversial. It's, you know, Miss Great Britain is known to be sexist. It's known to be anti-feminism. But actually, if I'm using that platform for the right reasons and the right thing, I can really shift, again, change that narrative that 
a lot of the women who are competing in Miss Great Britain are doing the same thing as me. You know, they go out there, share their story, speak their truth and use a platform that's known to be quite bad for good because it is big. It is a big platform. You know, it's a big stage. And and this is exactly, you know, we're having this conversation two years later, you know, all the way in America. So, you know, it's a positive that's come out of that as well is that the, the movement clearly was heard and clearly was taken into account. And yeah, I think there was other girls that did it last year as well in other competitions. They started to like go, you know what, don't need this. And for me, that's amazing because I've opened the door. I've opened the gate for these girls to walk through, you know, these younger girls to walk through these girls that maybe would never have left the house with no makeup on and they're doing very similar stuff to what I was doing in Miss Great Britain in Miss England Miss whatever you know and that for me is like it's an honor to <laughs> to start that movement off and help other people again um as you can see I'm getting very passionate because it's you know it's it's one of the highlights I have to say of my life and on the back of that as I said I'm going into schools going into you know I'm going to a boys school actually on um International Women's Day to talk to boys about women and how we feel about certain stuff and that for me is almost more important because it's it's it is everyone stepping up together to support this and yeah I'm just very happy that it was taken in the right way and and yeah the comp the the judges on at the time was like you were very brave to do that because it could have gone either way like you know and I was like I know right like it, you know and I was <laughs> it could have gone either way and to do something like that shouldn't be brave to do something like that should be a norm for a woman to do whatever she wants it shouldn't really, you know, as much as I was really grateful that it took off and people were talking about it at the same time, I was like, why is this news? Like, why is a woman doing what she wants with her body? Such big news. But it was clearly needed. And yeah, I'm grateful for it. And hopefully long may the movement and long may people still have those conversations because they're definitely still needed. I mean, all those filters that you've got on TikTok and on Instagram are mad how they can change your face and how they can change what I could like become blonde and like fair skin and like snap. And, it, you know, I just think that everyone's different. Everyone has their own qualities. Everyone's unique. I think everyone has a beauty, whether that's outside, inside, both. Do you know what I mean? I think everyone has a uniqueness about them. And we're losing that authenticity because everything is so digital and so like perfect, like perfect in inverted commas. But perfection, my other quote I love is perfection is an illusion because it is like, and also beauty is subjective. Like one person might like blonde hair, might like red hair. It, you're not going to ever win. And the beauty industry is so fluid. And so move, it's so moving, isn't it? Like, you know, it's continuing to move constantly. One minute it's this, it's the trend. One minute it's that. Let's just be happy with what we've got. And those beauty industry, um, big sort of corporate moguls are just profiting from people's insecurities. And it's not fair, you know, it's not okay. And that's why like what you did and what you continue to do is so moving. It's so special. Like oh. as you were, of course, just talking about that, <laughs> I, I was getting like very emotional because... Oh of the massive amount of people that you're helping and how you're shifting an outlook on something that has been portrayed in a certain way for a very long yeah. period of time. And you're bringing more love and light and, and acceptance to it. Definitely. Definitely. And for my own personal reasons as well, when I was young in school, I moved from a Greek Island um, to the UK when I was 10 and I was at boarding school, international school. And I was a target for bullies because I had, the olive skin when you're you know a woman of my complexion sometimes you have hairier bodily features and I was just a target for bullies and it was for me as well for when I was younger to say to that kid you're good enough as you are because again you never know who's watching there might be a young child at my school who's going through the same thing as me and going it's all good I'm going to be fine and no one told me that when I was at school like my mum must have told me but I you know you don't believe your parents and they say stuff but I was like you know, if someone came into my school when I was there and said, you know what, you're all good enough as you are, ladies, don't fight, don't bicker about what you look like, don't bully each other, whatever, just enjoy yourselves. I would have probably like, it would have probably saved me from a lot of trauma. And that's again, what I want to do um, with, with this movement and with, with my voice. I want to be someone else's voice that maybe doesn't have one um, because it is all about the next generation and being that person that I didn't have growing up. I didn't, in the media, I didn't have a role model. Everyone was sort of flat chested, you know, which is fair, you know, that's absolutely fine. But there was no one representing my build, my complexion back then. Do you know what I mean? It was very different back then to mm -hmm. what it is now. And I think now it, there's so much representation. It's so open and it, it's lovely to see, you know, that there are different shapes and sizes on the catwalk. There's different shapes and sizes in Vogue. And those magazines, when I was younger, the women in them are flawless. Like, they don't get me wrong, they're beautiful women but they didn't represent me and my build and my stature, you know, and now there's someone out there for everyone to be represented by. 
you know and i think yeah. it's so important so important to have that and it's we don't we forget how important it is because that's unfortunately how eating disorders and body dysmorphia starts when you are being told by these big magazines and corporations to look a certain way you're going to try and change it because it's going to screw your self-esteem i mean it did for me when i was younger i had an eating disorder growing up when i was 19 in college because i felt the pressure to look a certain way and you know be valued and i was basing my ballot like my own worth on other people's validation of me i don't do that anymore but i was like do you know what i mean like i was yeah. like you must like me and i don't care what i think about me but if you like me that's fine and now i'm like no no, no i'm the one that's going to give me that i'm the one that's going to tell me i'm beautiful i don't need you know and as, as corny as that sounds i don't need anyone else to tell me that um but it's so much easier said than done i know that and you know if someone's here is listening today who's not at that stage yet i get it like it is so difficult but maybe me flagging that today you might resonate with it and hopefully you know somebody might feel the same as how I felt before but yeah it's yeah it, it just is well, what it is yeah. yeah and thank you so much for going to these schools and going and giving these speeches and helping these young children you know the youth <laughs> seriously though yeah. and like because I, I just think it is amazing when somebody you know has trauma or things in their life when they're younger and then when they become older they want to be the person that they needed during that time like how mm -hmm. selfless and incredible of oh. a journey is that for real though thank you because you really are you're helping that uh, that's why it touches me so much because you're helping so many young women men too uh accept themselves and love themselves and we don't need any outside validation from anybody else like I love that you said that. It's like now you don't put your worth in the hands of somebody else's perception of you. Absolutely, because everyone you're not gonna you're not gonna please everyone. Unfortunately, there are gonna be people out there that don't like you, and there are gonna be people out there that don't agree with what you're doing and don't agree. There's always gonna be someone that disagrees with something. But at the end of the day, if I'm happy with who I am, if I'm happy with where I've got to, that's good enough for me. Do you know what I mean? And again, like I said, growing up, I didn't have that mentality at all I was constantly people pleasing constantly wanting the validation of others whether that be in romantic relationships on social media in pictures I'd be like you know unrealistic to try and get that I, I would be posting and looking away a certain way because I thought that's what other people wanted to see in uh, here. sense like yeah, yeah. And I just I'm sick of it now yeah <laughs> like, what, better that I'm not doing that anymore do you know what I mean I feel free you yes. know I, I want on my social media I can post whatever and talk about whatever and if people don't like it, they can unfollow me all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I, I've got to that point now. And of course, I've got days where I feel uneasy, and uh, you know, I've, I've got a, a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. So sometimes my mood can change, you know. And it's the same with anyone. But yeah, a lot of what I do is also for my own recovery from that as well, and my own journey with my own diagnosis as well, and reminding myself that I don't need that validation. I don't, I don't need to because one of the unfortunate symptoms of borderline personality is fear of abandonment. And again, you're going to do anything to not be abandoned and and feel that abandonment. So the validation kind of slides into part of that as well. So yeah. Interesting. Right. Yeah. If you're constantly looking for the outer external validation of who you are. Yeah. it's like you're going to just be looking forever you're going to be looking in all different places and yeah and I was just I just felt like I was just never happy like do you know what I mean regardless I was never happy I was never yeah. not good enough and actually I need to find that happiness in myself and I know again it sounds corny but it's so true like it is so true and I'm still on that journey now like I'm still not where I want to be fully but even just talking about where I want to be and talking about my experiences that's helping me to you know try and grow out of that you know, and I think with age as well, it does get better. Like BPD, borderline personality does get better with age when you are self-aware. Like I'm really unfortunately self-aware um, and I'm in the right therapy. And I know it doesn't always work like that with it for everyone, but I feel like it does get better with age because you learn about your triggers. And for me, my borderline personality disorder is a trauma response. That's what it is. It's, it's a behavioral trauma response to what I've gone through as a child. So yeah, I'm still, I'm almost like a big child now, relearning stuff, <laughs> like relearning a new language almost to, to adapt to the new way of life that I want to live. Cause I don't want to be in that pattern forever. And yeah, I know it's not always as easy for everyone. And I can only speak for my own experiences, but I want to go forward. I want to recover and I want to be an example that actually anyone with uh, chronic or complex mental health issues can do exactly what someone else without those can do. Cause there's so much stigma, isn't there around like, BPD, schizophrenia, bipolar, and all, all the mental health conditions that 
oh, you've got mental health. You don't look like you've got, I've got, I've had that all the time where people have been like, you don't look like you've got BPD. And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to look like? <laughs> like, is there a certain criteria? Sorry. Um, and that's one of the other things I'm trying to do is I'm trying to eradicate that stigma of BPD and what that is and how it can affect someone. Because there's about 265 different combinations of the diagnosis that you can have. So if me and you, let's say, had BPD, we would present differently. And there's just so much thing so much information that needs to be educated for people like do you know what I mean because it's still not something that people understand um I still personally don't understand all of it yet but do you know what I mean I'm want to be someone who's an example of what someone with mental health conditions can do I think I'm more passionate because I have mental health condition if I'm honest like I'm more creative and more passionate because I've got BPD and I think that's it's so important to remind people of the positives that come with those conditions because creativity you know spontaneous loving passionate I'm loyal to the death you know if I'm your friend that's it I've got your back you know till, till death do his part kind of thing and nobody in the media is talking about those things they're always talking about the negative and every scary movie the villain's always got a mental health condition and they've always got BPD or schizophrenia and it's like come on man like that's not what we're like like we're quite we're nice people come on <laughs> Wow. I don't, you know, I don't even think about that with the way things are perceived in the media and movies and oh, TV right. shows. It just hits yeah, yeah, people, yeah. right? Like, what's, it? it's, what's the film? It's called Split. It's a really good film. It's called Split. And the guy in the film is have, has um, split personality disorder. And the way that they're perceiving him is just this dangerous, nasty person. And that's not what it's like. Do you know what I mean? I can't talk on behalf of people with that condition because I don't have it. But do you know what I mean? Like with BPD, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer had BPD, let's say. And, you know, it's like, I'm not going to present like Jeffrey Dahmer. Do you know what I mean? And that's the thing. It's so important because when people hear BPD, they're like, oh, you know, they almost like, but, you know, even professionals in the UK still do it. The NHS professionals sometimes are a bit, oh, you know, you've got BPD because it's just not, as, there's not enough education around what that is and how that presents. And because, I, you know, again, I'm we're all different. Everyone's different. Everyone presents differently because I'm quite articulate and I do talk a lot um, and I'm quite open, people don't think I've got it or don't believe that I've got the full symptoms. And actually, if you get me on a bad day, I, I do. And I've had times where I've been suicidal. I've like not anymore, luckily, but unfortunately, um, a few times uh, before um, I've tried to take my life and I, I've grown from that. But of course, I've been there myself and I've been in those positions where I've been so low. I don't know how I've not known how to get out of it because of this the emotions that come with BPD are quite strong. And when I was younger, um, unfortunately, I tried to take my life. Luckily, I didn't succeed. But there is so much about these conditions that people don't know, and they're not on the surface yet. And I think it's so important, again, to talk openly about that, because, yeah, like, it's just wasn't talked about when I was younger. So I, those feelings that I had of like, strong emotions I didn't know what they were I felt like I was a freak and I was like I just want to end this pain I just want to end this suffering and that's a lot of the time unfortunately what people who suffer with suicidal ideation and thoughts want they just want the pain to go away I know I did I didn't want to die I just wanted it just to go away and with those discussions being open now about mental health I feel like I can go places to talk to people and I didn't feel like that before <laughs> you know yeah. like all the I still sometimes get quite intense emotions and now I know how to manage those and it is all about management. It's all about managing your own mental health in the way that you can. Because, again, everyone's different. I can't advise anyone how to manage their own, but I can give advice. Um, part of my day job is I'm a mental health worker. So I work um, in mental health as a full-time job, actually, um, during the day. And for me, that's great because it's lived experience. I'm talking to people about my own experience and I'm helping people all day, every day with my own knowledge of how I dealt with it and I'm putting it to them to help them. And that, again, that's such a rewarding job. I really love my job. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. And Elle, I just want to take literally just a few seconds to be here. And I just want to give you so much love. Um, Thank, you. Thank you so much. Just, uh, seriously, and so much gratitude and thanks and respect for just how vulnerable and open you are and sharing who you are the things that you've experienced in the past in the idea of helping yourself and helping others. Thank it's just, so yeah, it's so beautiful. I have so much love for you and I just can't, of course, thank, thank you, you enough for just speaking your truth and being exactly who you are. It's amazing. Thank you for your time. And thank you for everything you're doing as well for society. You know, I follow your page and you're doing some awesome stuff. You're sharing so much positivity out there. And I think it's just needed, isn't it in the world? And again, thank you for your vulnerability and your honesty as well with all you're doing. Of course, I appreciate that too. Um, and then, so Elle, I, I want to talk, you know, more about um, the Miss Great Britain 
yeah. competition, right? So I know you had mentioned with COVID, with the mask on, it kind of helped you remove that makeup mask on, on yourself. How did it develop? Though? Where did the, like, really, like, what were those few days like, the, the development of the idea of, hey, I'm going to do this? And then before you even ask answer, I want to say how amazing it is because before you said there was a lot of fear there. And on the other side of fear lives everything. And you pushed through that fear. And now look what has come from it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what was that like? What was it leading up to you making that decision that you were going to run um, and be makeup free? So when, so I did Miss Great Britain a year before that uh, in 2019, um, a couple of years before that in 2019. And I didn't feel like I'd given them my authentic self. I felt I was still in that space where I was like, I have to people please. I have to get validation through it. You know, and I was panicking so much about what I looked like. And I guess during lockdown, because I had that time and space to think about a lot of things, there was a lot of traumas that came up because I distract myself by keeping busy. <laughs> I'm constantly like, bum, 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 bum. And then like all my issues, I'm trying to like push to one side. Then during lockdown, I couldn't do that because I wasn't going out gigging. I'm also a musician. I wasn't going out gigging. I wasn't going to work, commuting, you know, stressing about the everyday life stuff. I had time. And in that time, I was like, okay. I need to sort a lot of stuff out. <laughs> I was in quite a bad relationship at the time as well. Uh, this person uh, just decided that they weren't happy in the relationship and left. And that, again, was quite a vulnerable place to be when you're in a lockdown by yourself, dealing with not just your trauma, but also a breakup. And all that was coming at me like tenfold. And yeah, I, I took the first year of like lockdown COVID to heal, like to really call myself out on stuff that I knew I had to. Like, the validation part, like the, the fact that I was constantly asking, like all my life beforehand, I was always like asking validation from other people. And during COVID, we didn't have the out, the out, the outgoing lifestyle that we had to do that. You know, we had Instagram and TikTok and literally that was it. And Zoom. Um, but do you know what I mean? It was, it's not the same as being face to face with people. And there was that not that pressure anymore to be like, oh my God, does this person like me? Oh my God, like da da da. And yeah, I just I feel like, again, as a human race, we do have a lot, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to socialize, to be there, to do this, to do that, to show up, to glow up, do everything. And then, yeah, that pressure was taken from me. And actually, yeah, like I had quite a hard time at the start of lockdown because I was getting all these nightmares because of my trauma. Like it was trying to come through. It was trying to push through because I had that space to think. And then I allowed it to happen. Before that lockdown, I would try and suppress those emotions, whether it be binge eating. Um, when I was a lot younger, I had a drug addiction and alcohol addiction. And that's one of the ways I tried to like get away from my emotions and my demons. And this time I was like, you know, luckily I'm seven years clean, which is great. But during the lockdown, it was really hard because I was like, I could literally reach for those class A drugs again now because those emotions were coming up and that feeling. And before I had things to get away from that reality. And this time I didn't, and I didn't want to go back to that. So I had to face it which was really hard, to be honest. And I'm still now still going through that, facing that reality. And like I said, I'm in trauma therapy at the moment. I'm, you know, looking at where I need to improve and what things I need to do to support myself and the tools, I guess, to go forward. And yeah, during lockdown, one of the things that I would do a lot when I was younger was wear a lot of makeup because I was scared of what, again, is a mask. I was scared of what people thought. I didn't want to show who I was. And because of the body dysmorphia and the eating disorder that I had when I was younger, I felt like I had to look a certain way. Um, and during school, as I said earlier, I was bullied for my more like olive skin and like hair, like heavier body complexion, whatever you want to call it. And when I was in school as well, I would put lighter foundation on to try and hide my skin, which is really sad because I really like my skin now. Like it's really soft and it's a good color. And, but like at the time when when I was at school, it was a posh boarding school in the middle of Wiltshire. Um, you know, again, lots of kids there weren't maybe as educated in culture than maybe they should have been. And me coming from a Greek island, like this wild child, literally, um, I was a target, unfortunately, for that, for that kind of those questions that the kids were too scared to ask because they were kids um, about different culture, different colours, different people, different religion, all that. And, you know, that was a very closed off school. Let's say if it was in London, it might have been different, but it wasn't. It was in Wiltshire in West Stonehenge. If you know where that is, people, that's where I near close where I went to school in Salisbury, um, Stonehenge area. <laughs> very, very secluded from, you know, I guess from more um uh diverse cultures in the UK. And yeah, like it was again, it was quite difficult. But going back to the makeup part of it, I would, yeah, 
put on foundation at one point I would shave my arm hair and I would try really hard to be someone I wasn't and I took that with me into teen you know in college and at college I was accepted more for who I was but I still had that mentality that I had to be someone else so it was quite false still and then going into college after college I got a job in retail for a few years and kind of went in and out of really bad relationships and jobs and stuff and again I was still like not being my authentic self and not giving myself the tr- the things I needed, which was that support and healing. And part of that was makeup. Part of that was how I looked. Like, unfortunately, I was quite obsessed with what I looked like. And I don't know if it is a symptom. I think it is a symptom of BPD as well to have a poor sense of self. But I don't know if the makeup and the eating disorder is probably part of it. But again, the it didn't help that I wasn't being told in, from society to just be who I was and be happy with it. So going forward in 2020, after lock, like, just after lockdown, I decided I'm going to do Miss Great Britain again. And this time I wanted to put everything I'd learned in lockdown in practice. And I knew that there would be other women out there that could resonate with what I was doing. Because there's so many young people and women, men, every, everyone who watches Miss Great Britain and also like knows about it. I decided, you know what, I'm going to enter this year with no makeup on for my own self-growth to put myself out of my comfort zone because I was like, everything I've learned now in lockdown, I need to put into practice and I really need to put into practice. Otherwise, what's the point, you know? And I would have never been able to sit in, in like in a chat now on a podcast or on a video call with someone I don't know with no makeup on. Like that was unheard of. I'd be like eyelashes, lip gloss, boom, boom, because I was scared to show myself. And it was the same with Miss GB the year before when I did it was really, really thick makeup, hair extensions like down here. Everything was quite false. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Like, I cannot stress that enough. Makeup is an artistry. I really love all these different looks that people have and, all you know, but I was using it the wrong way. I was using it for to hide and to feel like someone else. And that's not good. That's not cool. And yeah, like going forward, I decided to enter. They they accepted my entry, which was very nice of them. <laughs> they were like, yes, that's fine. Because there's no actual rule in the Miss Great Britain book that says you have to wear makeup. That's just, I think, what we expect that people just expect it of us, um, which was another reason I did it. And the organisers were like, oh, my God, this is amazing because they've got young children. It was two um, it was two women at the time who were running Miss Great Britain. And they were like, yes, this is great. I've got a young daughter who's going to resonate. You know, they were really behind it, really, really behind it, which was great. Um, and in my entry, I said in my entry, you know, that I'm coming back this year because I feel like I didn't give you me. I didn't give you L. I gave you someone else. I thought you wanted to see. And with the judges in my judging interview as well, I did not give them my, me. I was just like scared I was like yeah I work in mental health and I was giving them half of what I wanted you know I was giving them what I thought they wanted to hear and then I was like I need to do that again (laughs) I need to do that again for my own for my own self as well because I feel like they didn't meet L they just met this shell of L huh Ryman and I just felt like I need to go back and do that again and yeah so I went back um and competed in September 2021 with no makeup for all three rounds the first ever woman to walk on that stage which I was so proud of like in the pictures I'm just like smiling like this I'm scared as well because again I'll go to that fear discussion that for me that was so unheard of to not wear makeup in in situations like that um to not go out wear makeup to not go on stage I never would ever dream of going on stage with no makeup on and yeah for me it was it was scary like my heart was like and walking in heels towards the end of the platform I was like if I fall over now that's it everything I've done all my hard work is gonna (laughs) not be recognized I'll just be that girl that fell off stage and yeah, it was it was taken so well. Like there was young kids after the competition who came up to me and was just like, we want to be like you when we're older and we want a picture with you. And that for me was just like, that for me was my win. Do you know what I mean? Like the title and everything else, take it or leave it. But for me, the win was those kids coming up to me afterwards and asking for a selfie going, we want we want you to come to our school. We want you to just to sit with us and have a picture and talk to us. Like that for me was my win. And every time I go into a school and talk to kids about why I did it, that for me is the win, not the title, the sash, take it or leave it. Absolutely. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> For me, it's the, it's the, it's the message behind that. It's the people that I've helped, even that one person I've helped through that journey that I needed to take for myself, like that journey of acceptance, that journey of going through the reality of me with nothing, no substance, no addiction. Cause I've got a very addictive personality, which is why I still also have to be quite careful and going through that lockdown with no smoking, no Class A drugs was amazing because there were so many times I felt so tempted just to go, I'm going to call a guy. Like, you know what I mean? And I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do it. And I'm really grateful that I didn't because it was a hard time when I was young going through that. It's class A drug addiction. And I was losing myself. I probably could have died if I'd carried on. And I didn't. And yeah, like it's just 
yeah to look at me now and look at me back then I don't really recognize that person anymore like that person needed to happen for me to be who I am now but again I don't recognize her at all like even the person I was in 2020 I don't recognize her I'm like you needed to be there for me to grow but I don't know who you are anymore (laughs) and like it right I love that it's still having love for that version of yourself because like you just said without them you can't be who you are right now she needed to become her for me to become me now and I think she's proud of me (laughs) do you know what I mean like even that little kid in school the little scruffy kid in school that I was is beaming with pride now because you know what she succeeded she survived she kept going and I'm proud of that kid too you know and that's taken me a long time to figure as well because I used to hate that kid I used to hate that kid because in my eyes that kid was a loser it was her fault everything was her fault it was her fault she got bullied rejected assaulted but now actually no you look at kids now walking down the street and I'm like they're just kids like they don't know anything like they're so naive and when you're young you think you know everything and I still sometimes do now. Um, but you know what I mean? Like you think you know everything when you're young. You think you're invincible. You think that the world, you need to like hold the world on your shoulders and you don't. And I think, yeah, like there's a lot about that that I could be here forever talking about that too. Like just the way that young people just, their sense of reality is different to ours, you know? And again, going back to the Miss GB stance, it's why I did it because they're getting all these filters. Young kids from very young ages have access to smartphones now and all they're getting is look like her look like her like this celebrity that celebrity great those celebrities are flawless and beautiful but we don't all have to look like them <laughs> Do you know what I mean <laughs> exactly l what you're doing is so powerful it honestly like I, your passion uh resides and comes through so clearly and it just is so incredible and like all these things that you know that happened to you in your past and i love that you have forgiven and that you've helped heal your inner child because it wasn't her fault she didn't do anything oh, wrong thank you. i right? know and i keep telling myself that because when i'm in trauma therapy especially i have to go like the therapist's quite quiet she just sort of sits there and like very serious and i have to basically navigate the conversation and it is exactly that i have to keep reminding myself it's not my fault and that's sometimes hard on a bad day it's really hard to remember that um but yeah thank you for acknowledging that and again letting me know as well <laughs> of course think about this when you see a six or eight year old walking down the street and kids are bullying her is it that little kid's fault that she's getting bullied no, no. at all right at all exactly and when when you think of it like that absolutely but when you think about it yourself I'm so hard on myself and I think a lot of people we are our own worst critic and we are our own worst enemy and I think again we just have to keep reminding ourselves that especially those people with childhood trauma it wasn't our fault those people it was the abuser's fault it was the people that thought it was okay to do things without a consent fault we're not responsible for those people's actions but what we are responsible for is how we navigate forward that's yes. that our responsibility. And I hate saying this, that I'm clearing up someone else's mess that wasn't my fault, but it, this is my life. I've only got one of these. I have to do the right thing for me now. Do you know what I mean? As much as it makes me so angry that I'm sat here, like clearing up this trauma that I didn't want, I have to go, I have to deal with it. Do you know, it's my responsibility as an adult now to deal with my triggers, learn my triggers and harbor them and confront my demons in any way that might look and I think it's so dif- different for everybody isn't it to confront mm-hmm. their demons and to understand their triggers because we've all got them but you know the things I know now I wish I knew when I was younger though <laughs> Do you know what I mean? and that's the reason again why I'm going into these schools because there's an, a younger me in those schools right now going oh what do I do and I'm going you're good keep going that way Forward. <laughs> yeah, that's huge, Al. To be there for these kids and really help them is just unreal. Like the, that, that for me just feeds my like happiness. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, just makes me so happy. Yeah. Um, and especially in this day and age, everyone's broke with the cost of living. But I'm rich inside because I'm helping someone else get through something. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. broke, but I'm rich. If that makes sense mentally. Of, of course. <laughs> and, oh my god! And something else too. And this, like, you're jumping up a step in like higher consciousness. So even Um, when you were younger, right. And forgiving yourself is one step because it wasn't you. Thank you. I'm not saying just you yourself too, right. Anybody, the next step, if you choose to go this route, you don't have to, it's all love no matter what, but that next step, that next kind of jump up in the level of life and in higher consciousness is also forgiving those people who did that to you because you understand that they had their own trauma and pain that they were dealing with. That's why they acted that way towards you. 100%. And and you think about it as well. Like a lot of people who abuse have been abused or have had issues. And as a child, I didn't know that, but as an adult and as a mental health worker, because we're helping the abused and the abusers, it's really helped me realize that, yeah, like, 
I don't know. Do you know what I mean? As much as what they did to me wasn't wasn't right, I don't know what they were going through. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. And that for me keeps that anger at bay. Because <laughs> yeah. I can't get but actually, they were kids. The, unfortunately, a lot of the people that did things to me were kids as well. The bullies, they didn't understand culture, they weren't educated in culture, so they didn't get it. And I think the teachers could have done more, definitely, because they were the adults. Um, but I'm more angry at the teachers, if I'm honest, than the kids now, because um, we were all kids. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot in there for that. There's a lot to say for that, that it is about moving forward, but moving forward in the way that you can, because everyone has, everyone's so different. And everyone's journey looks so different. But it is about that understanding that, yeah, I think, especially with my line of work, I've realised that, yeah, a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of people who abuse have been abused. There's a lot of background in that. Um, it's yeah. sad because a lot of the time they don't realise that that's not okay and there just needs to be more education I think from a young age around this sort of thing I think if my school had discussions around consent and discussions around sexual assault more, more people would come forward and also the people that were doing it maybe would be like well this is wrong <laughs> like, because they might not have known it was wrong because they were kids, do you know what I mean right. they might yep. have been abused themselves and think oh this is how you act, this is how you act if you like someone <laughs> But do you know what I mean? Nobody's telling anyone because sex is such a taboo. It's in schools now even, it's still such a taboo to talk about what goes on, like consent, like how to talk to someone, how to approach someone. Do you know what I mean? It's, but it just needs to happen. I think in the UK as well, we're very polite. We're very polite. And we're very, oh, sorry, sorry. We need to stop being like that. We need to be more open about it. And I think, again, in schools, they are starting to now do more. But I think we just need to, yeah. Yeah. In, in, in some ways, the UK, we just need to skip the queue and go, right, we need to talk about this more, more of it. Um, and that's why social media it is quite toxic, but it is also a very powerful tool. I think a lot of young people are learning from influencers online, like the good ones, especially that are trying to make these discussions open and have the discussions. Because sometimes talking about sex with your parents might be a bit like, embarrassing. But if you're listening to an influencer talking about it or a teacher that you respect, you might actually take that in. And we didn't have that in school. We had no lessons on consent, no lessons on what to do if you're being assaulted, what to do if your if your teachers aren't listening to you, which was what happened to me. Um, do you know what I mean? Like no one was telling us how to deal with those situations as kids. You can't navigate that yourself. You need an adult and you need help doing through that. Because I didn't have that help, that's where I started turning to alcohol and drugs when I was quite young because I needed to escape that reality and escape those emotions that I was feeling at school because no one was helping me and no one was talking about it. You know, like the healing that can come when we just are vulnerable with each other and we communicate more, we're more open. We're not afraid to talk about these little things that may get uncomfortable because you're so right. A a child, you can't navigate that. You need help and you need someone to speak to you about that, to help you through that. You cannot figure it out on your own. And if we could just literally do that more, Alan, like you're helping create more of those conversations right now is one way. And then you going and and speaking, you're, you're Uh, giving us an avenue and you're giving us a, a funnel, a place that can, from these places, this conversation, from the speeches that you give, it, it plants the seed where now we can grow from there and have these sorts of conversations and change the way that we do things so we can create more love and more healing, not so much trauma. Absolutely. The, the, the last school I went to, the kids that I was talking to were 11, same age as me when I was at school, um, when I was first assaulted. And I was like, they're so small. They're so young. Like this was me. Like, and you don't think of it when you, when you're that young, you don't realize you're that young. Do you know what I mean? And when you, when I look at those, when I looked at those kids, there were all these little girls. I was like, Oh my God. And even the language I had to use for them to understand stuff was different to the language I use now as an adult. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, and it, that school, it really affected me in a really odd way. Cause I was like, where I was really happy. I was also really emotional because I was like, oh my God, like that kid was me once. And yeah, it wasn't my fault. And I think that was the first time I realized it wasn't my fault when I went to that school specifically and saw those little girls. Cause there was a little girl that looked kind of like me, like dark, darker skin, like curly hair, like straight, like, and I was like, oh my God, that, that's, that's what I, who I was like, that's me. And it was weird looking at, like looking and almost looking into the mirror with these kids there going, ah, oh, that, you know, and, and it, it really helped me in the next trauma therapy session I had been like, really talk about that and go yeah like if someone assaulted those kids or one of those kids god forbid I wouldn't have thought it was their fault so why did I think it was mine and it that was really one of the one of the times I was like do you know what I mean I was like oh wow and going to those schools maybe if I hadn't gone to those schools I might not have seen that like that you know I would and like I said even the language I had to use for them was very different I had to talk slower they were younger so they didn't understand specific things and I thought oh my god like I gave myself such a hard time. It was a real Erika moment. I was like, I shouldn't probably give myself such a hard time because I was a child. And like you said, 
it it wasn't my fault and it wasn't it wasn't fair for me to blame myself and give myself so much grief for something that wasn't my fault and yeah I'm still learning not to do that now to be honest there's still some days where I'm like yeah but and that's fine yeah and I just remember those kids the way I do it is I remember those kids in that school and I'm like remember those kids remember like what you thought when you first saw them going they're so young and small and vulnerable protect them with everything you've got do you know what I mean and yeah yeah Oh, and like, it just comes full circle in yes. your mission to help and heal. You are being helped and healed. Oh, hundred percent. I feel so like, sounds weird, but I feel because I've been so open and vulnerable and, and I've allowed myself to be so open and vulnerable. I've come in heaps and bounds and I've been able to explain to myself what I need more because I've been able to say it out loud to the kids. Does that make sense to the people I'm helping to the young people I'm helping within my place of work as well? I'm able to use my experiences positively. Like when, when I was, doing substances I know that for me it was talking to other people as well and those groups those groups really helped me the um support groups and as part of my job we offer certain support groups for um substance misuse and for me to be able to feed back into that community that helped me once is awesome like to say to those people on the phone who are calling up wanting help you know what we can offer you help and every time I fit every time I do that I feel like this like warmth because I know what it's like to be there like wanting that help and you know, feeling like you can't get away from substances. Like these people are so brave coming forward and going, I need help now. I have not, I have a problem. I need help. And I know that that takes so much because half of the re half of the part of the problem is you don't want the help because you don't want to get better. Do you know, sometimes, but yeah, there's, it's like a cycle. Um, as you were saying like before, like, yeah, definitely. Cause it's so amazing in life that by you being that person that that younger version of you needed or, you know, if it's somebody who's older, like you're helping one of the kids in school or you're helping somebody on the phone that you're, you know, you're guiding through and you are literally being that person again, that you wanted when you were that age or in life, when you needed help and support, you're healing that version of yourself because in those moments, you're actually experiencing what it was like to be healed, even though you're the one doing the healing. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah. You, you, yeah, that's exactly. And you, you've explained it so much better than I could ever explain it, but that's exactly it. That kid, when I was younger, needed that help, didn't get it. And now that kid's, the kid in me is getting that help because she's helping others. And if I could look back and if I could say one thing to my younger self, it would be just keep going. One day you're going to help someone with this story. Like if I could go back and say that, that one thing to that kid, I would grab and go, do not worry about this. You got this. Keep going. Like, do you know what I mean? Like you're going to help someone with this. Like those times when I felt so low and so alone. I never could have, could have imagined a lot, the life that I've got now. Do you know what I mean? And I wanted the life I've got now. Like I wanted it. I prayed for it. Do you know what I mean? And now I've got it. Yeah. Like mm. I'm almost getting quite emotional because it's so true. Like, do you know what I mean? Like I don't know where I'm going to end up in five years time, but I know wherever I do end up, I'm going to be proud of it and I'm going to be happy with it. And I think I'm only at the start of my healing journey, believe it or not. I'm only at the start starting point now where I'm he- slowly starting to heal and realize things. I'm so excited to see the me in five years and see what she's doing. Cause it's going to be awesome. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, it's going to be so awesome. And little L is so proud of you. Thank like, you. Like for little real. Justin's proud of you too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think about him sometimes and I appreciate that. You, no. you know what? It's, I'm going to share this really quickly. Um, how I was able to grasp and like understand that like literally in you helping, you are healing yourself because you're having those experiences was because I recently experienced that for myself. And then I finally realized, I'm like, wow, that's what that is. When I was younger, my parents got divorced when I was super young. Um, they're both great, amazing. My dad, always, we always knew he loved us. He was always there for us, but he was an Italian guy from Yonkers. So it was just a little rough around the edges here and there. You know, He wasn't the most emotional, vulnerable person. Yeah. And so I, I, we, I have a daughter and she literally is turning, she turned 11 months today. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I see him with her and I get to experience his unconditional, like he's a different person now with her in the world. It's wild. Like his heart is opened in a way I never thought was going to be possible. He's like this brand new, just beautiful, even more beautiful version of himself than he already was. And when I see him with her, it heals me as a child because I'm experiencing it now through her. And when I'm doing things with her that maybe I didn't get when I was a child, because I'm doing that for her, again, I'm experiencing it and it's healing me and my inner child. That's so cool. So cool. (laughs) It's been, you know, and I'm grateful 
to have had those experiences when I was a kid so I can have this realization now and even so that we can share in this together and have this because without that, this doesn't exist. Without your trauma, this doesn't exist. Absolutely. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And like you said, you're healing through your child and you're giving her the childhood that you deserved, but you're having that childhood with her and you're having those memories, those cool memories with her. I think that's beautiful. Amazing. That's, and congratulations as well. That's She's still quite, quite new in the world. That's amazing. She is. Thank you so much. And I, I like, I want to make this super clear too. When we talk about these things, we're not taking away from the trauma that existed. We're not saying get over it. It's not a big deal at all. No, absolutely not. <laughs> at all. And you're 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 uh representing and making that so clear, Al. It's just me in my own mind. I don't want anyone to ever think that we're like no. saying that the trauma doesn't, you know, isn't um valid. valid. Yeah, valid, exactly, exactly. And then so but it's like you mentioned this before too. It's like that thing, those things happened. They already did. So we have the ability now to grow and learn and become better from them. It doesn't mean that. If we could have gone back in time, you know, we would have stopped those things from happening. But the reality is that they did happen. So now we have the ability to take it in the direction that we want to take it. And you are taking it in the, uh, I don't want to say like the best because there's no like best or worst, but you're taking it in such a beautiful direction, healing yourself and healing so many others. It's just incredible. Thank you. You too. You too. With, with what you've gone through and how you're what you're doing and with your daughter and yeah, I think I think everyone's journey is unique to theirs them as well. And I, I'll exactly um, second what you've just said, Justin. That we're not saying that you're not valid and your experiences aren't valid. You might still be at that path on that pathway where you're not you're not ready to heal yet, and that's okay. You know, people yes. are different. People are different, and they do experience things differently. But maybe listening to this story and listening to us chat will resonate with you and help you. Um, in some way and that's that's all we, we want to do i just want to help somebody understand themselves understand their trauma and know that it's okay to be themselves that's the main thing as well that that it's you're okay as you are and it's so corny to say that but it's so true and no not enough people say it you know it's so I, true i yeah. honestly like and remove and i i know that you said that because it, it, it can feel that way but even removing it's so corny because it's not it's just true Right. And and I know we, I say that too. I'm like, it's so corny, but I'm like, that takes away from the power and the validity behind it because it is true. Us that, isn't it? Society has told me, don't be too corny. And, I, yeah. That's, and that <laughs> is what it is. That is, you're right. Yeah, society. It is the truth, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's so right. And I was like, where did that come from? Yep. Because society and people wanting to be tough and, you know, strong and, you know, not wanting to show any weakness. Oh, that's corny. Yes. Exactly. And society tells you to be yourself, but don't be like that. And that's exactly, you know, and I'm like I said, I'm still learning that. So I'm going to repeat that. It's not corny. Be who you want to like, be yourself, like be you, like be your own unique self. Take the corny out because yeah, I'm, I've got to practice what I preach. But yeah, like it, it is, it, it is absolutely society that's telling us. Yeah, absolutely. It's mm-hmm. be yourself, but not like that. Be like this. <laughs> we're still not there 100%, are we? We're still a little bit, we've got some catching up to do, but we're getting there. We're definitely getting there with it. I think Again, like I said, these conversations that we're having that are so open and raw, like, you know, my heart is always on my sleeve and I'm wearing a heart top as well. Um, It's always on my sleeve now. And and it's such a vulnerable place to be, but it's a place that I know I have to be for my own sake and other people as well. Like I have to be this vulnerable or else I'm not going to go forward. I'm not going to recover if I don't, if I'm not honest and open and my authentic self. And, you know, hopefully someone listening to this will go, actually, it's okay to be myself. Whatever that might look like for you, it's good. You're good. You know, and that's so important to be yourself it it's so important to be yourself and it's easier said than done I know that but it's it is all we have at the end of the day do you know what I mean it's all we have like ourselves mm-hmm. yeah and it is <laughs> and you're right it's not always the easiest but that doesn't take away from how how actually important it really is to be your truth and to really be yourself and being, me being myself like I said set me free like I just I just feel like such a better person for it like better per, a better friend as well to other people because I'm being honest to them I'm being real and before I was slightly fake. I'm not going to lie. Like my personality was slightly fake because I was trying so hard to be someone I thought they wanted me to be when actually they just wanted L. Simple as that. And the people that lo- love you for you will love you. And the people that don't and don't appreciate your true self, they weren't for you anyway. Get rid. Sack them off, as they say in the UK. <laughs> so, right, yeah. Don't don't take away someone's ability to love the truth of who you are. And when we aren't who we are, we're taking that ability away from somebody else for them to really see our truth and to really love us for us. For me for me absolutely and wow. if they don't then they're not for you <laughs> and that's okay yeah and that's that's okay and that's yeah. totally fine 
And so, Elle, before we wrap things up, uh, you've been saying this throughout the entire conversation, but it's going to be nice to hear you just say it in maybe like a few sentences, you know, direct upon this question. So my, you, <laughs> it is really funny because you've said it the whole time, but this is going to be good anyway. Um, <laughs> my goal in life, I talk about it every podcast episode. I ask this question to every single guest. My goal in life is to help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to a place that is more loving, more vulnerable, more open, more accepting, uh, one that understands our oneness, one that have, represents and has more self-love, literally what you're trying, what you're not what you're trying to do, what you are actually doing every single day. Uh, so the question is, L, what are you doing every single day that you feel is helping, helping us create this sort of a shift in consciousness to one that is more loving and peaceful, kind, empathetic, all those things? So what I'm doing every day is wanting to be that person and becoming that person and being that person that I needed when I was younger to try and help other people in my situation when I had no one. <laughs> Seriously. I'm, and like that, that is it. Like simple as that. It, <laughs> because it can be that simple. Like when I asked this question and when I first thought of it, I'm like, this is like a massive existential question. Like this is like, what? Yeah. I'm going to ask people how you are going to shift the consciousness of the planet to be more loving and kind and peaceful. Like that's what, but it can be that simple. And your answer was just brilliant. It was so good. And I love it. Elle, it's you. It's not like waiting for something in the outside world to change for the new to change. You know, it, it is within you. And that is how we create that shift. It was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank, of you. Course. Thank you. Yes. All right, Ellen, before we jump off, if you can please just let everybody know where they can find you online, social media, websites, anything like that. Thank you. So um, I'm Elseline and you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I don't really use. I'm a little bit too old. I don't know how to use it. Um, and I'm on YouTube as well. So my credentials for that is Elseline Official, E L L E. S-E-L-I-N-E -E, official. And I'm on uh, Instagram mostly and Facebook. So Perfect. Love it. And we'll follow and yeah, I'll follow you back. <laughs> Amazing. And we'll put all that stuff in the show notes too. So listen, anybody out there right now, if this conversation resonated with you and you think Elle can help you in any way, if she can help your organization, your school, Anything like that at all, please reach out to Elle, start the conversation and see what other beautiful changes can be created from the work that you're doing. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Elle, this was really this uh this was really great. Honestly, this was so much fun. I have so much, I'm gonna say it again. I have so much love and respect and gratitude towards you, your vulnerability for just sharing so deep within you who you really are. That shined through. And I just want to thank you so much for that. No worries. Thank you. Thank you for your time as well. Thank you. Thank you for today. <laughs> of course. Everybody, thank you so, so much for being here, taking the time out of your day or night to be with us and join in on this conversation. This was an insanely powerful one for me because of you, Elle, who you are uh, and the things that you're doing every single day. I hope it was just as powerful for everybody that is listening. We have so much love for you. Love yourself. <laughs> Self-love. Yeah. Just be you, be your truth, be who you really are and love yourself for it because we love you. Cannot wait to see everybody next week. Al, thank you again. Thank you. Bye everybody. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please like, follow, share, subscribe, whatever you can do to help share this with the world. We put a lot of energy, effort, and time into creating this beautiful podcast with these incredible guests to help bring more awareness to the love that exists all around us. So if you can help spread some love, we'd really appreciate it. Love you. <laughs>